All right. So if you want to follow in, in Scripture, I'm going to start in the book of John, chapter 4, with a very, very familiar passage, and this uh, about the Samaritan woman. And it's kind of a strange place to start a Christmas message, but hopefully you'll, uh, you'll see as we go along. And actually, if you don't, then I didn't do a very good job. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to start in chapter 4. And I'm going to start in verse 17. And I'm starting in the middle of a story. And the reason why is I think most of you are familiar with the uh, Samaritan woman. And and she was uh, by the well. And Jesus had sent the disciples out to buy food. And while they were there, Jesus started talking to the Samaritan woman. A no-no in those days for a Jewish person to be talking to the Samaritans. Especially for a man to be talking to a woman, that was also another no-no. But uh, we're picking up kind of in the middle of the story. Um, and the woman sa- I'll start in verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said. I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem it is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman left, then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then I want to take you back couple of pages in your Bible to chapter 1 in John. And we're going to go to verse 45. What is this guy doing? He's going all over the place. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law, also the prophets, wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. So, my question is now, how did Jesus know all these things? How did he know the Samaritan woman was married to five people? How did he 
tell her everything about her life? How did he know Nathaniel was sitting under the fig tree and, and that he was a man in whom there was no guile, no deceit? How did he know all these things? And I think if I took a poll, and I didn't, but if I took a poll and asked Christians, how does, God, how does Jesus know all these things? The answer would be, well, he was God. He knows everything. So then at what point in his life did he know everything? Was he born knowing everything? It didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me that he would grow up, you know, as a baby and know more than his mom and dad and be able to tell them things that, you know, that they, they didn't know. So I kind of looked through Scripture to see if I could find, you know, things that would kind of answer this because logically it didn't make sense to me that he would be born knowing everything. That doesn't make any, make any sense to me, you know. And, you know, as he's growing up, he's knowing more than his mom and dad. And what, what are his mom and dad going to teach him, you know, through, through the years? So that didn't really make sense to me. So I looked through Scripture to see that. And I saw in Luke um, 2.52, and you can go there if you want, or that's just one verse, if I can get to Luke from John. Oh, I've got to go the other way. Huh? <laughs> All right, Luke 2.52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. Well, if, it's, if he's increasing in wisdom then he couldn't know everything. That doesn't make any sense. You know, that he's learning things and increasing in wisdom. Then maybe he wasn't born knowing all of these things. And honestly, I don't think he was. I think he was born because I think he took on the nature of man. And when man is born as an infant, you know nothing other than you cry when you're hungry and you cry when you don't feel comfortable or your diaper's wet, and then you learn things through, through the years. And I think that's what Jesus did, too. When he was born, he knew anything. He gave up that nature. Now, he could have any time, because he is God, he could at any time have switched that around, but he did not. I don't believe he did. He did. I think he was growing in wisdom and stature through the years and learning, just like we learned as we were young, just like those children out there are learning right now, uh, I think that's what Jesus did. So let's go back to the beginning of the story. Now, how did he know these things? And I really believe that it was intimacy with the Father. I think his life was spent in prayer and worship. And because it was, he heard things from the Father that we can experience ourselves if we are intimate with the Father. And that's what, that's what we want to get through today, because I think this is God's desire that we be intimate with Him. And I think Jesus is really our example. I think this is what He really wanted uh, in our lives, and He showed us this through the, the times that He you know, lived on this earth. Uh, John uh, 17.3 Back in, the, back in John here, says, and I think this is God's heart, and it says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, 
the only true God. This was Jesus praying to the Father. So this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So it was Jesus' heart that we really come to a full knowledge of him. And Paul was very, uh, very much in uh, favor of this too. In Philippians 3.10, he writes, I'm actually going to start in verse 8. It says, Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him. This, is the, this was what Paul's object in his life, that I may know him, that I may be intimate with him. And this is what I really feel that God wants us to do. Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. You see constantly where the disciples were looking for him. You know, where, where is Jesus? And where is he? He's up on the mountain somewhere. And he's praying. He's being intimate with the Father and hearing things from the Father. So where does intimacy begin? How do we, how do we start intimacy? Well, there's a sequence actually to it. And James 4.8 brings that sequence out to us. God does woo us. He wants us to be intimate with him. But uh, the, the scripture says, draw near to God, and then you will draw, he will draw near to you. Draw near to God. So look at the sequence here. God doesn't draw near to us first. He waits for us to draw near to him. And then the promise is, if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. So we have to make that, that effort in the beginning. Look at the, the, the early creation, Adam and Eve. What was Adam created for? Ministry? Was he going to go out and save the world? No. Adam was created to fellowship with God. Okay? That was the purpose. Because sin later on got in the way. And then now, you know, once sin got in there, there's the battle all the time. But he was really created for fellowshipping with God. God came and walked in the garden with him. Okay? You think God doesn't want to do with us that with us today? He does. He wants us. All right? And this is a good time to evaluate our situation in this during this Christmas season to see, you know, how intimate are we and how much do we, do we walk with God? Remember, out of intimacy will come all the other things. A lot of times we focus, when we come to the Lord, we focus on things like God's provision, you know, what God's going to do for us, what his promises are. You know, there's, there's many, many promises in the Bible. Not to foo-foo all those things. They're all very, very important. But before that, I think, comes the intimacy, the fellowship that we need to be um, uh, associating with the Father. When we get this intimacy, all the other things fall in place. God's provision would be there. We'll know what ministry we're supposed to be in. All of, the, all of those things. We don't really have to so much focus on those things before the intimacy comes, which has to come first. So there's kind of an order in things. If we're seeking all the other things in first then we don't grow in that intimacy and there's things that might happen. 
Judas is a really good example of that. What did Judas do? Well, he was an apostle. What did the apostles do? They rose people from the dead and they, they performed miracles. I mean, he was one of the apostles, so he probably did all of these things. Okay, But look at the scripture in Matthew chapter 7, and we'll see what, what God says about that. This is a scripture that you've heard before. Uh, it starts in verse 22, so it's chapter 7, verse 22. Jesus says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's what we don't want to hear God say to us. I never knew you. Okay, It's really important that we get to the point where we're intimate with him, that we take that that to the next level, because we all know the Lord Jesus Christ, but where is our intimacy with him? And, and you know, where does that, where does that start? Uh, Jay has uh, preached many times on freedom, freedom in Christ. And, you know, what was the purpose of that freedom? Is it just so we'd be free? Okay, there's more to, to that freedom. It's for the purpose of us coming to the one for whom we were created. You see, to be under him, to be under them. Uh, God is light, and he's going to reveal anything that we have that's in darkness, anything that's preventing us from getting into this place where we are intimate uh, with the Lord. Idolatry can get in that way. Anything that in our lives that takes the place of Jesus or that takes the prominence in our life and that prevents us from spending time uh, with him and, and being there. I think a good example of that is Moses and Aaron. And I, I just want to take you back into Exodus just really quickly. Exodus 19 and verse 24 And this is when, uh, right before uh, Moses was to go up onto the mountain, it says, Then the Lord said to him, Away, get down, and then come up, you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priest and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. If you remember the story, Moses and Aaron are both invited by the Lord up to the mountain. But who goes only up to the mountain? It's only Moses. Aaron never makes it up there. And it, a lot of things, I think it has to do with the uh, intimacy that Moses had with God that Aaron didn't have. Because where did Aaron wind up? He wound up leading the people down at the bottom of the mountain into idolatry. Okay, he was a leader. He had good leadership qualities, obviously, because he led the people and the people came to him and told him, you know, can we make a a molded uh, image of of God? And he went along with that. And where's Moses? Moses is up on the mountain. So I think Moses was the one who had spent his life being intimate with God, could hear from God. Aaron, I'm not sure exactly where he was at, but 
can see where he wound up. But we don't want to wind up in that same place. You know, Aaron knew God, but he wasn't, didn't have that, that intimacy with him. Uh, Since we're in Exodus 19, I want to show you one other scripture in there. We're going to go back to uh, verses 7 and 8. 19, verses 7 and 8. And it says, So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. The the, the people said that they would do everything that God told them to do. Did they? No, they didn't. Why? What was the difference? What's the difference between Moses and the people that he was leading? And there's a difference between intentions and desires. You see, the people intended to follow what God wanted, but it wasn't in their heart. It wasn't a desire of their heart. The minute something came along that maybe gave them more pleasure than God or something, something idolatrous, the minute that came along, they turned away from God. You see? And we have to take that and kind of apply that to ourselves. We may have the intention of being intimate with God on a regular basis, but we might not have the desire in our hearts. And so we have to check and see where are our hearts in this. And this is something we all battle because there's a lot of stuff that can get in the way of our intentions. We, you know, we have good intentions. Think of how many people... You know, the, the, the first of the year comes around, so it's a new year, and I have the intention I'm, I'm going to give up smoking, or I have the intention that I'm going to lose weight, or I have the intention I'm going to do this, or I'm not going to watch as much TV, or something like that. But if that desire is not in our heart, by about the 15th of January, that's all forgotten and done, and, and you know, everything was put aside again. So, the, you know, those are things we have to see, you know, where our heart is at in, in this. Okay. What we don't want to hear from God is that, you know, all these years you've been serving me, but I, but I, but I didn't know you. I, I, I think of, this is the, kind of the picture I had, God standing outside the doors of Bridge Builders Church here on a Sunday morning and saying to us, I wanted to come in. I wanted to come in. But you guys didn't know me. You know, so we want to make sure that we are in that place. You know, it's, it's a place where we're worshiping God 24-7. And I found a kind of a, somebody's definition of worship. And I, I just thought it was wonderful. I'm actually going to read it through twice because it's one of these things where I, when I heard it the first time, it was like I couldn't absorb it all at, the, at that time. But worship is the submission of all of our nature to God. The nourishment of our mind by His truth. The purifying of our imagination by His beauty. The opening of our heart to His love. 
and the submission of our will to his purpose. Let me read it one more time because to me it's just beautiful and it's where I want my life to be. And I would say my life is not there, but that's where I want it to be. It's the submission of all of our nature to God. It's the nourishment of our mind by his truth. It's the purifying of our imagination by his beauty. It's the opening of our heart to his love and the submission of our will to his purpose. Now, can you imagine if our lives are lived that way? You know, if every moment of our lives, and I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, a lot of times when I go to sleep at night, I just go to sleep. But if sleep was an act of worship and waking up in the morning was an act of worship and breakfast was an act of worship. Can you imagine what Sunday morning would be like when everybody walked in the church and we had all been worshiping God for hours already? And we walk in and now we just enter into this corporate worship. You know, so, you know, our hearts are so prepared rather than coming in and, and, it, and it takes three or four songs to get us into the mood to worship, and then it's done, you know. And we, you know, we, we spent the time in church trying to get into the, the act, of, act of worship. So, you know, this, this is, I think, because it's the Christmas season, it's something that maybe we can put into our heart's desire to try and, and bring our lives to a point where our, our lives, our total 24 hours of every day, are worship in some way. And it's, if, if we've never done it before, because I've been kind of working on it myself, and it's, it's not an easy thing, because if, you, if you've never really been living your life like this, it's something that is very, you know, God's there and he'll help us with it. And he's a forgiving God, so he, when he does this, you know, uh, when we try to, to do these things under him, I mean, he's there to help us out, and he's there to forgive us when we do go a, a period of time or something, and we say, oh, yeah, I've been wanting to remember to keep my heart, you know, united with him. And I think also, as far as hearing God is concerned, we will hear from him more you know, there'll be more things that God can talk to us because that's, I feel, what, what Jesus did. That's why Jesus knew about the woman at the well. I think that's why Jesus knew about Nathaniel. And he knew so many things in his life. And it was because he was intimate with the Father and the Father was constantly talking to him. And there was this two-way conversation and he was learning things. And I think we can, we can be the same way and do the same thing. So let's try and do that during this season because the season kind of reminds us of, you know, the birth of Jesus, why he came and, and uh, all the reasons that, that he was here. And uh, that could be a wonderful Christmas present for us, all of us, you know, to, uh, to unite us in that. So let's pray. And there's a lot here that I think, a lot to absorb and a lot of reflection, and, you know, you guys can kind of get up and leave whenever you want after I pray, but um, 
I would just recommend that we, we just kind of reflect on this for a little while, and then as as we do, um, you know, to uh, see where, what God says to us in that. Well, Father God, we thank you that we thank you that first of all that we live in a nation that has a celebration of Christmas and. We know, as, as Mike said this morning, there, there are certain things that we hear constantly on uh, the radio and in various places about the meaning of Christmas and how far off as a nation we've gone from that. But Lord, uh, we don't have to agree with that in our own lives. We thank you that there is this celebration and we thank you for the gift that you have given us of your son. And this celebration of Christmas does remind us of that, Lord. And, and Lord, what you gave up, you gave up so much in heaven, Lord God, to come down onto this earth and just go through all the trials and the tribulations that people normally go through in this life, Lord. We know that uh, you were God and uh, you could have changed that at any moment in time, but you didn't. You could have changed that right before you went to the cross, but you didn't, Lord. And, uh, Lord, uh, we're just uh, so weak in so many ways, and we thank you that, uh, that you are forgiving in that, Lord, that you forgive us for uh, all the times that we uh, have not uh, done what, what you would have us do. But, Lord, we, we do want to come to the mountain. We want to come to the mountain as Moses did and be able to, uh, to see you and to hear your voice, Lord God, and to know your will and your plans and your purposes, um, not only for us, Lord God, for, but for uh, Bridge Builders Church, Lord, that uh, we um, would be definitely inviting you in here every single Sunday morning, Lord God, uh, to worship with us so that uh, your presence will be felt in this building, Lord God, that uh, we would hear and, and see and feel your presence, Lord. And Lord, we just repent for the, the wasted time, Lord God, for the many uh, days, months, and years in our lives, Lord God, where we've wasted time because we, uh, we didn't spend it with you, Lord. And, uh, we spent it uh, in trying to uh, please ourselves and, uh, and give ourselves the things that uh, our, our, our flesh uh, constantly desires. So we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your love. And Lord, we just uh, want to spend some time with you right now as we uh, think about uh, you and our lives, Lord God, and how our lives can be better uh, related and more intimate, knowing, loving, and serving you. In Jesus' name, we pray that, Lord.